Hi, this is E.O. Wang, and it's so great to be back with you on the Training for Ultra podcast. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect the shit out of that, man, so you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. And that was a moment I, I can look back on now, and uh, that was one of my favorite moments, getting a foot massage by Hayden at mile 62. This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnassus, the ultra marathon man. Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Anime Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really, I just need to catch up with Rob. 100 miles is not that far. I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. okay. <laughs> so classic. Oh my god, because literally thing would be like, beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother, beep. Mother, mother, beep, beep. Mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra Podcast. Welcome to episode 125 of the Training for Ultra Podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And this week we have Eo Wang. She was, I think, number seven Ultra Runner of the Year in 2019, coming off a big win at the North Face 50. Might have been the last year, actually, that they have that race. Kind of sad, but... She absolutely crushed that race. I'm super excited about her 2020. I think she's I think she's officially announced she's signed up for CCC out in Europe. It's a UTMB race. She's likely to be on the podium if she has a good race there. So it's just awesome to catch up with her. If you go back in previous episodes, one of the most popular segments I've done was Where's EO? So it was cool having her. Great to catch up with an old friend. Big thank you to the show sponsors. Now working with Kogala Light. So if you haven't checked them out, I'll leave a link in the show notes. Use a promo code Training for Ultra for I think one of the better discounts that they have available. I've used it throughout the Triple Crown. I'll be using it for all my races this year. But check out Kogala. And then big thank you to Exoskin. They just came out with a skull cap. Um and it's made of that same material that they've always used. I really liked it. Reduces odor and, and it's just a high-tech material. Um, and then they're also going to have wool toe socks coming out here pretty soon. So check out their website. Again, if you need a promo code, T the number 4U20 for 20% off. Exoskin, big supporters. Appreciate them. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. As always, I'll be using tons of their gels. Check out Perpetuum if you haven't. Uh, liquid calorie that I'll be using throughout 2020. And then last but not least, Destination Trail. Candace Burt and her team. Um, just happy to work with them this year. I have Orcas Island on my schedule now, which is a 200 miler. First year they're doing that race. And man, if you want a challenge, if, you, if you've done a few 200s and you're like, ah, oh, these are okay. I mean, this is going to have 60,000 feet of gain over 200 miles. So we're talking, um, this is almost like some European 200s. Like this is, uh, this is the real deal at Orcas Island. They have distances, I think um, 50, I'm trying to remember their other distances. But yeah, if you're on the West Coast or you're looking for a trip, I think that race is in May. But big thank you to Destination Trail. Big thank you to the Patreon supporters. Always enjoy those closed Facebook group conversations. And we just squeezed in a virtual group run last week. We should plan another one here soon, but really appreciate you guys. Enjoy this episode. I'm joined again by a friend of the show, Eo Wang. She needs no introduction at this point. If you don't know anything about her, go to my first episode. She's the very first person ever to be interviewed on this podcast and her Where's EO updates throughout almost, what was it, 2018, EO? Uh, was yeah, it, it was 18, right? Mm-hmm. People love those. I still get feedback on those. So, EO, it's awesome to be able to catch up with you. 
so great to be back on your show. It's been way too long since we last spoke. I've had EO withdrawal, and yeah, I needed to call you because, yeah, it's been way too long, and part of me almost felt guilty, like, let EO do a different podcast, like, stop calling her every week. Um, but it was, it was super fun doing Where's EO, and that was, that was before I think anyone had covered it. It was, you were on the road while we were doing the interviews, which was unique in a sense, because I remember getting up at, like, 3.30 in the morning to call you sometimes. And... Yeah, we were working through some uh, time zone challenges at very odd hours trying to connect. And, well, part of the challenge was even figuring out what time zone I was in and what the time difference would be and, like, coming up with a time that would work for both of us. Yeah, I, I'm amazed. Seriously, it, it seemed like a heck of an experience. And a lot of people have covered it at this point And... I mean, if you ever go back to write your book or when you go back to write your book, I wouldn't be shocked if you're referring to some of those episodes because you were like on the ground giving us details. It was it was really cool. <laughs> but yeah, where where are you now? Where's EO? Um, are you back in the States? Am, I'm back in the States. So after we returned from that trip, um, we were back home, which is in um, Marin County, California, and sort of went through this period of settling back into life in California, but also keeping our eyes open for potential other opportunities. You know, you sort of go through this whole thought process of, wow, I just saw these amazing places in the world. Am I going to live in the same place that I was living before this experience, or do I need a change of scenery? And so we had a few months of, I'd say, exploring, you know, wild and crazy ideas about going abroad or like figuring out a way to live abroad part of the year. Um, but we always loved Northern California and living in Marin County. And, you know, just in 2019, this opportunity came up for us to actually purchase a house here, which we didn't think would happen that soon, because if any of your listeners know about the housing situation in the San Francisco Bay Area, it is insane here. Um, And we got really lucky and were able to um, purchase a house in kind of our dream location. And so we've decided this is where we're going to call home base. um, Congrats. That's awesome to hear. Seriously. The near and potentially far future. So we're really excited about it and moved in um, in May of 2019. Um, I was actually in Switzerland when the whole house purchase was uh, completed and Sean had to pack up our whole apartment and move everything by himself. (laughs) Um, And he kind of was in this house with a bunch of boxes for like a week until I came home and then unpacked everything. <laughs> you guys are you guys are great. I don't I don't know if I've met Sean in person yet. I've alerted the neighbors that when he's mowing the lawn, he will not be wearing his shirt. So everyone's aware <laughs> that it's shirtless Sean. Um, <laughs> yeah. The the kids will yeah, the the neighbors will hide their kids um and make sure <laughs> <laughs> no one's eyes are hurt. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I don't know if I've actually met him in person, honestly. Uh, so congrats. That's like huge that you guys are settling after traveling the globe. Like, and probably you went through some culture shock, you know, back in the United States permanently. Like, did it take you a while to adjust? Were you just ready to hop on a plane and go to a different country after the whirlwind kind of tour that you were on? I think I definitely felt rather restless for a few months because you, you know, get used to any sort of routine. And then once you change that routine, it becomes strange for a while. And so I went through a couple months where I really wanted to have travel, like, somewhere in my calendar. And I was really excited about going to the airport and hopping on the plane. Um, But then 
you know, that feeling sort of went away after a while. And then you kind of realize how exhausting traveling is and how nice a feeling it is to not have to fly all the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that I still enjoy traveling, but I appreciate now uh, a mode of traveling where we go somewhere and stay for an extended period of time. So last summer we spent a month in Europe and it was really wonderful to really settle into a town or a region and just experience it over, you know, two weeks instead of uh, shedding in, shedding out. That's a goal of mine in life is to like live in a different country, (laughs) a different country every month for one year. So I'll probably be like 95 when this dream comes true. But um, I think it's so cool to like immerse yourself in that local culture. And I'll hopefully I'll get a taste of that this summer. But two weeks is about all I can afford. So, uh, I mean, how is your your running more about? Sorry, Sorry go ahead. Like, no, no, go ahead. We're, we're on a delay here. Go ahead. I get a lot of questions about, like, how do you manage or afford to do long-term travel like that, you know, because most people, whether they have vacation through work or um, break in other forms, it's like, all you get is two weeks or maybe three weeks for an entire year, right? Which mm-hmm. personally I find is far too little. I think I agree. The country do it a lot better where they actually have a month off because that time is so important to spend with your loved ones, to like learn about other cultures and other places and just to take a breather from, you know, the day-to-day grind that work can become. Or do the, um, do the triple crown and use all your vacation time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or just, just, you know, explore other areas of your life other than work. Because life is so short and you it, have to it just... It really is. It really is. Experience as much as you can in the time that you have. And so I think both Sean and I have developed different thoughts about work and different relationships uh about work than before the trip and it's like interesting why do we want to work so hard is it because we need to like keep accruing money and get promotions and work our way up the ladder to some far off goal or is it that we work so that we can get these great experiences um to add to our life right Um, no i i totally like i've had that profound moment where i'm like why like why like why are we working so hard like it's like you're working a lot of times these days i'm working probably 70 hours between my actual job and then uh other activities that are running related um Mm -hmm. but it's i don't it's strange to me because Ultimately, you do end up making more money, but then you spend more money in things that maybe aren't that important. And I don't know. I've gotten very minimalistic in my mind frame and thought, but then at the same time, you can't can't have a living room without a sofa. Like, I really tried, but you can't have people over. (laughs) Like, it just doesn't work. (laughs) Right. I mean... You need some level of income, and I think for everyone, maybe that threshold is different. Um, personally, I am also not a dirtbag lifestyle kind of person. Like, I couldn't just have a duffel bag in a van and make it on no money. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that would, people, greatest, that's all they need. Greatest right? reality show ever. <laughs> <laughs> Dirt bagging, dirt bagging with EO. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would be the worst. Um, but I, you know, have 
a pretty busy career outside of running because, yeah, I make some money from being an ultra trail runner. But, you know, <laughs> let's be realistic. It's not enough to sustain a lifestyle in Marin. <laughs> or, or just a so, life life, I would say, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, but I am fortunate enough to have found something that I really do enjoy doing, which, you know, compensates me pretty well for the amount of time and effort I can put in and allows me flexibility to race and travel. And so I think that if people can do that in their lives, it is so fulfilling, right? It's like find something that you're passionate about that you're willing to spend time mastering. And then, you know, those opportunities will present themselves to where, someone will recognize your um, passion and and your ability. And then you'll be in a position to like be more in charge of your schedule and how you want to spend your time. Can I just say I'm, I'm really thankful for your friendship over the past few years. I, you were my, you were, you were (laughs) one of my very, very, first Instagram followers and supporters. That's actually, that's why I reached out to you to interview you first. Uh, I don't know if you remember way back in the day, but uh, it's, it's been truly amazing to, to be able to interact and follow your journey over the past few years. Cause you've really developed since I think you had won Lake Sonoma you were covered in mud on the cover in Ultra Running Magazine, and I swear you you started following on Instagram like within a month of that, and I just it was mind blowing for me because I hadn't done a thirty k. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, you you've been just totally fascinating to uh, to follow along, and it it's just it's refreshing. Sorry, I totally got sidetracked. Oh, thank you so much. It's clearly <laughs> it's why really I didn't, nice clearly why I didn't go to MIT. A little ADD on my side. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's catch up on your running. Like you know, it's uh, been a while. You've had some serious races. Like, tell me about kind of your past twelve months and since you got the house. Has training become more routine? Are you doing heat training and freaking out the neighbors yet? And, you know. <laughs> oh, we've already freaked out the neighbors. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Sean's I'm caught like, in the garage. The one that's always in and out, like going crazy places, um, running, just always running up and down the street. Um, <laughs> yeah, neighbors are wonderful. They, like, totally are interested and fascinated by this ultra running thing. And our house, one of, the reasons I love it so much is that we are three quarters of a mile from accessing all of the great trails um, on Mount Tamalpais, or I can run into like the Marin Municipal Watershed and Marin Headlands. So it's some of the best trail running access in the world. That's also in close proximity to a major city of San Francisco. How busy yeah, how busy are those trails? Like when you're out there, are you are you seeing people every like minute or two? It depends on the time of day and what day of the week it is and what trails you go on. I mean, at this point I know where it will be busy at certain times of day. So, yeah, you know, I have like you see the regulars out on the trail, right? Which is Part of why I love living here is that everyone is so active and so involved in the outdoors and there's tons of trail runners and ultra runners and mountain bikers that live here. So when I go to my local trailhead at Phoenix Lake, if I do like a 10 mile run, even if it's kind of in the middle of the day, I'll usually always see a couple people that I know. And then, you know, it just makes you feel good to be a little social out there, to know that like you're neighbors are also passionate about preserving this space and this kind of recreation that's available. Um, And 
on the weekends, I mean, some of the trailheads are extremely busy and you, you'll see tons of people that you know and tons of other great runners too um, train and live out here. And sometimes if I want to feel like I'm a little bit more remote, I can access, you know, trails that are a little bit harder to get to and then be by myself in the woods for a couple hours if I want to. So nice. I think the variety that's available here is extraordinary. Um, and I think that it's also so cool to have a very, very active and robust and diverse community of runners. That's awesome. If I'm in the area, I'm buying you guys dinner at some point. So, and yeah, I- I I, ex- I expect you to show me the trails afterwards or, <laughs> or the next morning. Absolutely. Um, so you had uh, an amazing North Face. I mean, you're you're nailing this distance. You in like fifty mile to hundred k. Um, you're like one of the best in the whole world. I want to hear more about the North Face. I, I feel guilty. I was going to make it out there. I was going to do some filming and then all the fires and everything that were going on kind of pulled. Yeah. Like I pulled out so, at the last second. I was like, ah, like, yeah. I don't know, overexpose Matt That's Daniels because he was there. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I want to hear I, more about how that uh, went. An interesting relationship with the North Face because, you know, it's a race that's essentially in my backyard. If you had home court advantage in a trail race, this would definitely be it. Um, And I've tried to run the North Face quite a few times. You know, this year, which, as it turns out, is now the last year of the North Face 50-mile championship as we know it, um, was my fourth time trying to run the race and it's the first time I even finished it. Four um, times the a first charm. Time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Keep showing up as Des Linden would say. That's, uh, that, the that's first exactly time right. <laughs> I did North Face probably back in 2015 and I dropped out at 50 K because I had like a weird hamstring issue that came up. Um, so I think, 2014, 2015, when I was just getting into ultras, I was still figuring out, you know, how to keep my body healthy and battling these like chronic, um, mostly hamstring related injuries and um, had a lot of up and down experiences at even these 50K to 50 mile distances, having a lot of trouble finishing race so lake sonoma um, the next then, year was when you had kind of like a breakthrough not yes. to totally regress here but okay sorry i'm, yeah. I'm, I'm playing catch up here i had so i didn't finish that year and then 2016 i was signed up for tnf and then fell on the trail and hurt my knee oh. like literally the week before the race so didn't race And then 2017, I was traveling the world, so missed that year. And then 2018, I was signed up, and the fires swept through Northern California, and um, the race was canceled. That that distraught, like, 50% of elite ultra runners had peaked just for that race. That was was devastating in that area. That was, I mean, Australia is going through the same thing right now, like... Mm-hmm. It, was it was awful. Really quite an awful month for California. And there was a lot of devastation and death and destruction. And so I think it was the absolute correct decision to cancel North Face. Um, it was. Yeah, it and was. ultimately, it turned out to be kind of a good thing for my running. Because since I didn't run North Face, I utilized all of the trading that I'd done into running the California International Marathon in December of 2018, at which I ran uh, 239, which surprised myself. Um, and that allowed me <laughs> that's a really that's a really good half marathon, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and <laughs> and that allowed me to qualify for the um, 
Marathon Olympic Trials, which are coming up in a couple of weeks at the end of February in Atlanta. Are you getting and, Are you getting excited for that, or where Where are you at on that? I'm getting excited for it. I'm really excited to race. Um, I love racing, and after you know, I had a pretty long training cycle going into North Face. Um, this past November of a lot of running on trails, a lot of like grinding up climbs, getting the vert in. And so it's actually been kind of refreshing to get back to faster ladder running, which, you know, is where I started. And so it's, it feels good to get that turnover to like work on learning how to pace myself again and I'm just excited to go and kind of rub shoulders with some of the best runners um, in the country. And I'm not going to make the Olympic team, but I really want to run a good marathon. And I'm hoping to be able to PR. Like, that would be a really good goal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the course is hard. It's not a super fast course. I, so I think. Do you, do you know why they picked Atlanta? Like, what, what's going on with that? decision was that process is it's a bidding process by the organization by the these organizing committees of races so for example two cycles ago it was in houston because the houston marathon put up a really good bid and you know there's a bid and a voting process so it's So it's not even like related to what's best for the athletes and maybe pairs with what's going to happen in Japan and like mirroring that course so that we put forth our best athletes. So sometimes they do. I mean, ultimately it's a race that is supposed to find your best athletes, right? That's essentially what a trial day will be. And I think, you know, Atlanta Track Club is putting on the event and they've done a phenomenal job of uh, communicating and also taking care of all the athletes. I don't know if many of your listeners know this, but the Atlanta Track Club is putting the bill for every runner to Whoa. fly and stay Whoa. in Atlanta for this race. <laughs> so that's, that's why it's in Atlanta. <laughs> that's yeah, amazing. That's a huge monetary commitment on their part. And yeah, um, I know a lot of your listeners are probably not too in tune with road racing and track racing, but Atlanta Track Club is a big running organization with, you know, thousands and thousands of members in the Atlanta area. And they do an excellent job every year of putting on the Atlanta Marathon. So usually the trials race is held in conjunction with a big city marathon because it takes a lot of resources and a logistical planning to put on a su- successful road marathon. And I think they've changed the course map a few times to like adjust it based on athlete feedback. Um, so I think good. that they've been good. quite good in terms of organizing and running the event. And I, I feel like it will go off without a hitch. I think of greater concern is the fact that having the Olympics in Tokyo in August is actually quite dangerous for athletes because of the climate there. I don't know if you've ever been to Japan in the summer, but I remember distinctly talking to you about doing those, those kind of track morning group runs or whatever with a mask over your face. Right. Um, I was that, that was Chinese. Not that much of an issue that's more china so japan in august is very hot and humid um so tokyo is going to be quite challenging for a lot of sports um and especially distance running or swimming i I guess swimming they'll be inside so it'll be more climate controlled but distance running is going to be challenging because it's often 100 degrees and close to 100 percent humidity which won't be fun. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean the one the one time ultra running's actually in a positive position for not being part of the Olympics. <laughs> By the way, did you did you realize that mountain biking is part of the Olympics? Like, have you gone through all the sports before? 
Yeah, so mountain biking is a new addition to the trail. Olympic program. It's like it's on the trails, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, they'll have a trail course. They'll have rock climbing this year as well. I think it's the first year for that race for that sport. I mean, um, were you not good. like, why not do trail running on the mountain biking course after they're done or whatever? <laughs> like, well, you know, it's trail running is not nearly popular enough to be considered for the Olympics. Like cross country, maybe if they had a short course, but definitely not ultra running. <laughs> I, I, I disagree. <laughs> we I have think, UTMB. I don't sport, need anything more than sport, UTMB. <laughs> the sport is growing. If badminton's in there. <laughs> trail running should be in there there can't be more badminton players in the world oh my god you have any idea how popular badminton is in some parts of the world just give me a uh, your mit i give me a number like just let's let's compare the numbers and so (laughs) there are a billion people that live in china there's like a billion people more than a billion people that live in india and badminton is a huge sport there in both those countries. Okay, ultra so, ultra and trail running. We're screwed. Like, we're screwed. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what do we call this? This is like the back of the envelope calculation. I I guarantee you there are more badminton players than ultra runners in the world. <laughs> I don't know. According to my UTMB or whatever world <laughs> trail ranking, there, <laughs> I I didn't know I could actually rank that low. I didn't know there were a hundred and. <laughs> 50 plus thousand people that even were ultra runners. So I'm going to get you back to you. Ranking? I'm, I'll do a case study. I'll get back to you. Um, I'll have the statistics. I'll prove it. Um, so how did, so is, cause I did see your Instagram updates and I was like, holy crap. Like what's going on with EO's training? Her leg turnover is crazy. Like, you're running road hard. So this all makes sense. Like you're getting in shape for this big marathon. Um, but walk me back to TNF 50. I mean, you've done, you said you'd done the race. This your, this was your fourth try in your first finish. Is that right? Yep. I mean, walk me through the race. Like what's the two to three minute kind of like, I don't know, like race recap. What do you what do you think of having occurred there? Because you blew the cover off. Uh, like you, I was I super was excited best, for you. It was the best preparation I'd ever done for a race. You know, nothing beats being able to run on the course. I think that I just had one so much experience on those trails. I knew what to expect out of every climb and every descent, which certainly helps a lot during a race to know like when to put in more effort or how long this climb is going to last, for example, and where it's appropriate to fuel. So I think it was the best, the most prepared I'd ever been for a race and also the best execution I've ever had in a race um, in terms of hydrating and fueling and also uh, problem solving during the race, like when I had a moment when my legs started cramping, for example, and being able to overcome that issue readily. Um, I just think I had a really great training cycle leading up to it. I was healthy. Um, I put in really hard training runs on many sections of the course so that when it came to race day, it actually didn't feel as hard as some of the days I've had training out there. <laughs> that's um, that's what definitely. no one does. Like get your get your suffering out of the way early, like during the training, and then. But for you elites, gosh, you guys are like next level. So you actually <laughs> you suffered harder during training than you did during the race that you won. Yes, well, it's a different kind of suffering, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like, tell me. No, seriously, I, I don't know. No. Battling accumulated fatigue from like a weekly mileage or a series of weeks of stressing your body. And then I do this 
Saturday group run that takes place in the headlands where a lot of fast runners show up and they just I've, hammer. I've and seen so those a updates. Lot of my workouts <laughs> were trying to chase these really fast men through the headlands, like on parts of the TNF course, um, just like hammering ourselves into oblivion, <laughs> you know, running way faster than you ever would in a 50 mile race. Um, which come race day, it makes you feel like even though you're running pretty well up or down a hill, it, the effort level feels so much easier because I have feared in my brain, like these memories of just crushing myself <laughs> <laughs> on this particular section, um, which I, I think, you know, you can't really beat that type of preparation. That, that is money. Just listener needs to just rewind that and listen to it a few times. Cause seriously, like you're, so your training is so elevated that race day feels like you're going for a hike essentially through the, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not Until at the elite level for us, middle of the path. Like, okay. I'm, I'm kind of digging in the well now. <laughs> so, Fourth time's a charm. I mean, how's did you go over the um, Golden Gate Bridge and like how was the finish? Because I wasn't following the race as closely as I should have. Um, I I don't know what was going on, but uh, was it the traditional finish line? Like traditional? Uh, well, it was the the new course which finished. Uh, started in Sausalito, and then the finish is up Marincello, which we call $10,000 Hill, across oh. SDA Trail, down to Golden Gate Bridge, and then you run across the Golden Gate Bridge, and you finish um, along the waterfront of the city on Christie Field. So when you Perfect. drop off yeah. the trail onto the bridge, you still have maybe a mile and a half of running, because the bridge is quite long. Um and I think by the time you get to Tennessee Valley, you can kind of wrap your head around the fact that, hey, there's like six miles to go, but I only have one big climb, which is, you know, a bit over a mile up Marincello. And if you're still feeling pretty good at that point, then you're, you can finish. Because <laughs> like there's one hill and then it's basically downhill and flat what? to the finish. What? What were you thinking going over the Golden Gate Bridge in the lead? You've done this race numerous times. You've never even finished. I mean, you've had hiccups along the way. I mean, what was going through your head? Because running across the Golden Gate Bridge is not simplistic. It's loud. The concrete feels terrible after 48 miles of trail. (laughs) Like, it's it's not even asphalt. It's super hard concrete. Um, it's very loud. It's windy from all the cars. And then it's, they don't close the sidewalk. So it's full of tourists. <laughs> I, I remember that. At all. So you actually have to focus pretty hard on just like making it through crowds of people and getting to the other side of the bridge. Um, so I think I didn't really think that far uh, beyond like don't trip don't run into anyone <laughs> so it was miserable going across the golden gate <laughs> oh it's so and beautiful because you know it, there was like fog creeping in and out with the sun it was very atmospheric um i yeah i i would say it was it felt hard because the course is slightly longer 51 miles and change. So you see your watch tick over mile 50 and then 51 when you're on the bridge. And you're just like, oh, can this be over already? I thought it was 50 miles. It's the worst (laughs) when the course goes long. Um. And at that point, I didn't quite realize how far ahead I was, but I knew that there was no one close who would, you know, have any chance of catching up to me as long as I kept moving and got myself across the line. So in terms of feeling race pressure, I didn't feel that towards the end. I just felt like the self pressure of let's finish. (laughs) (laughs) 
don't throw up, don't throw up. <laughs> um, what what thoughts went through your head as you went through the finish line? Like, were you thinking about the previous races that you had done there? Like, or were you just so exhausted? Because a lot of times I'm just like so spent. People think I'm going through some emotional process or whatever, but I don't have the energy. Like, where where were you mentally when you finished that race and won it? Oh, definitely elation, um, a lot of joy. I think I think the fact that it did take four tries to even finish made it even more special. Um, I think that, you know, you always celebrate every finish because especially in an ultra, nothing's guaranteed. Um, but I think when you have those, really special days where everything seems to go right. And uh, you achieve something that you've wanted for a really long time. There's, there's no comparison to (laughs) in the way that you feel. I think there's just such gratefulness and joy and satisfaction in having done that, that it's, you know, it's, just what keeps you training for the next race did you did you think about you know back in the day studying at mit and watching the boston marathon and like those miles when you first started episode number two by the way for the listener like did do you ever reminisce that deep on like where you've come from like you like, I remember talking to you, you could, like, you saw the Boston Marathon, you were inspired by it, and you just, like, took some couch to 5K type program and got running. Yeah. Like, do you reminisce about any kind of deep level stuff while you're winning one of the the biggest 50-mile races in the world? <laughs> I don't think I really reminisce that far back. I think I appreciate the journey and the process and I'm really interested in the in the process of um, mastery of whether it's a distance or a discipline or a sport or you know uh, something else that you choose to do in life and I think the journey is continuous right just because I achieve this goal of finishing and winning North Face it doesn't mean that my journey as an ultra runner is over. And so I just keep moving forward. Um, I think it's great to look back at where you've come to sort of learn and process the lessons that you can take with you to where you want to go. Um, so I think nowadays I'm much less concerned with, you know, predicting what I'm going to do in the next year or saying this is where I want to be in five years because you never know what kind of things are going to happen, what kind of opportunities are going to present themselves. Um, Even where I am now and what I'm doing now, I couldn't have predicted a year ago. Like, we didn't know we were going to buy a house this time last year. We didn't know that um, I would be you know, working the jobs that I am right now. Um, So there's a lot of unknowns in life and that's okay. And I think that if you are open to all sorts of crazy ideas and opportunities, and then you draw upon what you've learned from your past experiences and knowing like, so an experience like the North Face tells me, you know, I'll do really well if I'm very prepared for the course, if I execute my own race, if I um, stay focused in the moment and not think too far ahead during the miles that go by of an ultra, then I can achieve a result that I would want or that I would be grateful for. Do you, do you meditate while you run? I don't know if I've ever actually meditated and, <laughs> and interviewed you at the same time. Like, 
like I, I truly like I, I developed kind of like a next level like mental way of running uh, after Moab 240 and 18. I don't know if we've even talked since then. It's been so long. Like, do you do you meditate and go into flow? Like, have you do you click into flow I, and just zone out? I, I think that's the best way to experience an ultra is to spend as much of it in the flow as possible. I've never purposely worked on any sort of meditation practice. Um, I have a hard time sitting and meditating because my brain does not up ever. Um, <laughs> and even while running, I think that's why I like ultras because especially during a race, it's kind of the one time when I truly can shut a lot of things out because the thought of covering the distance and being in the moment of the race is so consuming that I can click into sort of a more meditative flow state because otherwise in my day to day, like I'm constantly thinking about all sorts of things. <laughs> Yeah. Even while out running on the trail, I'm like writing curriculum and like having conversations in my head that I want to go home and write out and eat. So it's, I use the, the racing part as like my opportunity to be hyper focused on the moment. I'm your audio is breaking up right now. Just as a heads up. Okay. I'm totally <laughs> bummed out because this is like. The good stuff. <laughs> are, you, are you? Oh no! It's actually it's actually okay right now. Yeah, I might not better. even have to edit. Perfect. Um, so you do meditate while you run, and you you just said that. It, did I hear you right? Like the the best part or most ultras should be like mostly meditative. Is that what you said? Um, I think you should strive to find your flow state in an ultra because that is like the pinnacle of the experience of why you're out there. I couldn't agree more. Even like middle of the pack or getting quicker or slower when I blow up. I don't know. <laughs> um, like <laughs> that, that I can't relate more to that comment. So is that something you've ever talked to anyone about? Like how you go into flow and meditate during races? Cause I, I saw you out at black Canyon hundred K like you were in the zone, which I assume yeah. you were in flow, but I don't know. Uh, some people, their brains are just constant chatter. Like, are you able to totally shut off thought? after like a busy day and just hit the burning headlands and like just zone out and go yeah. into flow, live in the present. I think when I'm running and like truly running hard is really the only time when I can manage to do that, which is why I love racing and why I'm always, I always seem to be so hyper-focused on the racing because it's, the only time when I can manage to shut out a lot of the extraneous chatter. No um, kidding. I have Interesting. quite a hard time. Like I have a hard time going to sleep at night, no matter how physically exhausted I am because my brain does not wind down very easily. <laughs> yeah. um, and so racing and especially racing ultras is the only prolonged time when I'm able to hyper focus, shut out a lot of, you know, crazy thoughts or whatever that swirl through your head and tune out the world and just be like with myself in the moment doing what I am doing at that moment. So what, why is it that racing does that? Cause for me, I can get on a treadmill at my local rec center and like pretend like I'm watching the TV, but I'm not like, I'm totally, I can remove my my physical and mental parts of me and like just totally removed, and that's at like ten minute per mile pace. So I'm like <laughs> crushing it. Well, you're just um, you're just uh, 
better at the process of meditation. <laughs> no, but no, I, I'm, I'm totally interested because you found the same process, but it seems like it's a sub seven minute pace that does it for you. Like, why have you, have you thought about why you only go into flow oh. during races as opposed to training runs? I experience it during training runs too, but I really have to be running pretty hard and like add a certain effort or exertion. Um, I think a lot of the times my training runs are actually social outlets for me. Um, as you know, training for distance running can be quite lonely if you're running by yourself all the time. Yeah. So a lot of my training runs, I'm with other people and I, on those training runs, I'm really quite social. I love to ca talk to people like during the week, I'll catch up with my friends by going on runs. So part of it is just that the training runs are very social for me. So I don't <laughs> click into the hyper-focused state. Um, I sometimes will during workouts because I enjoy, you know, having the flow state and pushing myself. And then usually if I'm, even if I'm working out with someone, like we're, we can both get in the zone like that. And there's an understanding that, Hey, I'm not going to talk to you until the cool down and that's okay. <laughs> but um, if I'm running with another person or with a group of other people, like, of course I'm going to be talking to them and sort of bouncing ideas and things off of each other. And, not just in our individual flow state zone. <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm like I I've apologized to so many pacers over the years like I'm sorry. Like I really want to chat and hang out, but I'm in flow right now, so sorry I'm checking out and like 35 minutes later, I I might peek up like one word or two words, but when I'm in the zone it's like yeah. I just do not want to talk to anyone because I'm in my own little world where I'm not even really thinking much, honestly. I think enough during the day. Like, <laughs> it, it's truly, uh, for me at least, it's relief from constant work, like high-pressure type work and thinking constantly. Like, it's it's my escape from the stresses of modern day society but yep. what do you have in store for you for 2020 do you have any big plans are you, are you i mean after you win the um the olympic trials because they're in atlanta and, and there's some climbs i think you'll do really well honest, yeah. honestly i think you'll it's do really, really well course. There. yeah i think it's a good course for me because i have the strength for the hills um i do not have the the background and the training with the speed to really compete with the top ladies that are going to be there. But, you know, I want to run a personal best. Certainly. I think that would be a really successful day if I can do that. Yeah. Um, Post marathon, I'm going to run Lake Sonoma. I think having for the a wine. marathon for the wine. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> well, I just love it. It's, you know, <laughs> I like to support local events and it's such a beautiful time of year to be out on those trails. Um, and then I, I really like the charity that the race supports and also oh, the awesome. uh, message that Skip is bringing to the event. Um, so I want to support Lake Sonoma and then I am going to Europe for the summer and get ready to run. BCC, the 100K, 100K plus, it's not really 100K. Um, 65 miles. <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell you I now. I love how in Europe, all of the distances are like suggestions, you know, <laughs> plus or minus 5K. <laughs> the race is over when you finish, not when exactly. you think you've covered the distance. You're going to, you know so what? I saw, I saw that announcement today on Instagram or wherever it was, and I smiled. Cause I was like, this is the race for you. Like if I could line you up on any race in the, in the world, I'm sorry, I would put you at CCC in 2020. And I think you're going to absolutely crush it. So I don't know how you came up with that decision, but 
my weird analytical brain that comes up with trends and analysis like when I'm sleeping apparently like that is your race like you're born for that race I'm super super excited I think you're going to crush it well thank you so much Rob you better crush it have a great time uh, doing the full lap around the mountain (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am not ready for that. <laughs> if you have a good race, I'll buy you beer. If I have a good race and you don't, you buy no, I, we'll figure it out. But um <laughs> I'm I'm hopefully gonna have a cell phone that actually works properly for UTMB and I'm I'm planning to like go out there. I'm not doing it like I did CCC two years ago and did like a quick like a quick trip where I was in the plane probably more than I was in Chamonix. I'm not doing that again. Like I, I want to go spend two, uh, two weeks out there. yourself in the experience there. Totally. Totally. So no, I'm, I'm just really excited for you. I think, um, hopefully this marathon goes well and who knows where your season could go, but ultimately hopefully Sean's wearing his shirt. We'll hang out, and one of us will buy rounds of beers somewhere in Chamonix. Is he, <laughs> it, it, will Sean be out there? Because I know he has a crazy Google job, right? Yes, and he will be there. Awesome. Awesome. I'll finally meet him in person, hopefully. Um, <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you taking all the time. And I forgot to even ask you who your sponsors were at the beginning. Who are you running for right now? And then where can we follow you on social media? Yeah, so in 2020, I'm running for Under Armour, Camelback, Goo Energy Labs, and Equator Coffees. Nice. And Equator's me, a new um, one. I, I hadn't heard of that one before. Yeah, started working with them last year. So they're a great local coffee roaster here in the bay area so if you're ever in town we'll have to go to equator sweet and then where can people follow you on social um i am mostly on instagram at why wang runs that's my most active social channel any other social channels that you'd like to share on twitter (laughs) no i'm not super i'm a boring follow on twitter because all I do is read other people's tweets. I never <laughs> actually tweet myself. But I am on Twitter as Magic Squid. <laughs> if you're wondering I, where the heck that name comes from, go back to episode two or where's where's <laughs> EO episodes. We hit it. Yeah. And and then I am on Facebook as well. And you could just find me by my first and last name there. Awesome. Eo, I always enjoy speaking with you, and seriously, I really, really hope to have a beer with you and Sean at some point in 2020, and wherever that is in the world, um, it'll, it'll be fun. So have a great training block into this marathon, have a great race, and let's stay in touch. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Rob. And that's episode 125. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you again to EO for taking all of her time. Definitely a fun person to follow. So check her out on social media. I follow her, I think, on Instagram and Facebook and everything else. Thank you to the show sponsors, Kogala. If you haven't checked them out, check out the show notes. I'll leave a link there. Also, Exoskin now has a skull cap available, and they're going to have wool toe socks. So if you need a promo code T, the number 4U20, for 20% off Exoskin. Big thank you again to Hammer Nutrition and Destination Trail, Candice Burt. Orcas Island is coming up in early May. Check out that race. They have distances all over the place, but they do have that 200 now. First year of it, over 60,000 feet of gain, which is just insane. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a good week.